Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy whose love has plenty of conditions. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And it's the last spiritual principle of the year, even though I think we're going to continue right along with spiritual principles next year because we don't have many better ideas. Um, But no, it's uh, it's spiritual principle time for December. Unconditional love. I got to be honest, I did not think some of these things that we've covered as spiritual principles that I, I took out of the Narcotics Anonymous step working guide. Like, that's where I got them from. I didn't make them up or you know, try to interpret like some reading and say, this is the principle in this. Like I, I went in and if you've ever worked the steps out of the step working guide, like at the end of each step, it has a section called spiritual principles and there's four or five listed and you answer some questions about them and they, you know, little readings about how they apply in the step. But I I don't know, I guess I just as pictured like they would all be honesty open-mindedness humility you know what i mean <laughs> right. like the the, usual the same suspects. ones just deeper <laughs> yeah and and to some extent they were so when i made this list I, I was doing it for a different purpose i went through each one i pulled the first spiritual principle thinking oh the first one must be the main one um but then in cases where they repeated i just dropped to the next one down but yeah like unconditional love does not what i really picture for step 12 honestly it being the spiritual principle i yeah, when I first read the step, it wasn't for me either. Was so like, give it away or like, <laughs> right. selflessness, like compassion, I, I something, right? I, it's a little weird. Uh, so, but that was what was in the literature was the unconditional. Yeah, yeah that's huh. the uh, apparently, and I haven't relooked to double check myself. But when I went through, the point was I'm picking the top one that hasn't already been used. Hmm. So. I don't know if there's one in step twelve. I'm sure I could probably easily look it up on my computer right here, but I'm not going to. Uh, but yeah. Un- unconditional love so i it's a concept that like even without talking about it as a spiritual principle per se i'm like does not sound like a realistic concept in our world i just can't picture anybody that doesn't have some conditions around you know i'm only going to like your presence if you're <laughs> nice to me or you know what i mean like there's, yeah it's hard to think of some case where it's unconditional even kids like Love is a tricky word in that it means so many different things in so many different contexts to so many different people. And we use it, you know, as an adjective and a verb and a noun. (laughs) Love is actually almost as versatile as the word fuck. Right. It's right up there. (laughs) So it's it's tricky when you say unconditional love because it's like, well. Because love's already confusing. That mean, right. Love's already confusing enough. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, it's like. Our our love, especially in relationships, is so conditional. You know, right. it's like, well, yeah, I'm only in this marriage because they don't lie to me, cheat on me, steal from me, uh, abuse me. They respect my realistic. boundaries. <laughs> like, right. like those are realistic <laughs> as for my romantic partner. But right. but yeah, you're right. We do. We we have this idea that like we we want to aspire to this unconditional love. I think there's there's people who want to have this, but. I just can't picture it actually working. Like, 
relationships are transactional, whether we'd like them to be or not. They are like, I do this for you. You do this for me. And it works out because we both do it for each other. Right. And so my understanding of the way I interpret unconditional love, I guess, is a little more general in that it really means I wish for every human being a sense of uh, I want to show them some compassion, some uh, courtesy, if you will, some respect that they have a right to life and a pursuit of, you know, their happiness. And, you know, I want them to be happy. For me, it's something that I've practiced in a form of meditation called meta, M-E-T-A, meditation, where you, you know, the way I've seen it practiced or whatever is like you can start with someone that you're really close to, you know, someone that you do actually love and you focus on that feeling and then you go outward a little bit further to like, let's say it's whatever, like a clerk at the coffee shop that you go to all the time that you don't really know, but you have some general uh, reaction or transactions with. You try to express like well wishes, good thoughts, happy, happy vibes to them. And then you expand that out even further to like someone that you don't really like or don't really know at all. Um, And then out to like the whole world. And so the idea isn't necessarily that I am going to give away everything that I own or like give all of my time up all of a sudden to any person that walks down the street. (laughs) It's more like, okay, I can appreciate that like other addicts that are suffering in the world. If I see someone, you know, walking down the street who's obviously, you know, using, they're doing the nod or whatever, standing on the corner or they're you know, half out of it walking down the street that I can think, oh, man, that's really terrible. Like, I really wish that person could find some peace. I wish they could find some happiness. You know, maybe if there was some way that I could could help them in that journey in that in their life, like I might be willing to do that. Like for me, that's kind of more the idea of unconditional love, not necessarily that I'm going to like pull my car over and be like, oh, what do you need? Here's, you know, a thousand bucks. Let's get you in a house. (laughs) You know, I feel like I'm going to argue two different things on this episode already. (laughs) Like I'm going to have this argument about love and then we're going to have an argument about unconditional love. Um, How do you define love? Right. Like, I, I mean, there's this age old argument of like, is it a feeling? Is it an action? Is it a thought or a way of being like, I can't say that I have a complete concept of that. So maybe that's where we need to start with this, even though I feel like that's going to be painstaking. But like for me, what what is love, right? Baby, don't hurt me. Now, um, I don't know completely. I think it is. I will say, I think the feeling of love is pretty useless if the action of love doesn't exist. So I would say the act of love is probably, in my mind, more important than the feeling of love. And I actually think, if anything, the feeling that comes with love can be built by the act of love versus mm-hmm. the other way around. Like, you could you could feel love for a person, but if they hurt you, like, you don't want to do nice things for them. You want to, like, you know, fucking break their car or windshield <laughs> or, you know, pop right. their tires or something. We got songs about this. Carrie Underwood right. sang one. Like, come on. Um, but the act of love, you know, just I'm going to, like more like what you described. I am going to be this kind person in the world and give these people positive vibes of hoping they all do well, whether I know them or not or whether they've wronged me or not. That I feel like is much more useful in the world. What, what's your feelings about love? What is what is love? Yeah. So. 
the connection and intimacy that I can have with someone that I'm close to that's in my sphere of, you know, life on a regular basis is much deeper. I feel like I have to set some parameters around that or else I set myself up for abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in the world of like caregiving and, and compassion and therapy and, you know, all that stuff, there's. I believe lots of training and stuff that goes into like healthy boundaries for that shit. Like you, you don't want to get too far in (laughs) or like you get sucked into someone else's drama. You know, you you put yourself in harm getting too caught up. So is that, I don't know, in your experience or training with that stuff, is that like love gone awry? Like, is that that like too much love? (laughs) I don't think it's too much love. Um, But it, you know, if we were going to, not dig deeper and just talk about unconditional love. Yeah, I think the the one place I would say it might exist would be in like codependent relationships, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> this I will do anything for you no matter how badly you treat me kind of idea, which is was unfortunate, right? I don't want to laugh at people in that situation. But that's the first thing I think of in an actual unconditional love and practice does look like abuse. Um, unfortunately, if both people aren't on the same page with with providing that. But I think people in situations that are more codependent or maybe more I'll put this person before myself I think that's more of them struggling with the fear of them not being enough versus like oh I have too much love to give and I'm just giving it to this person freely while they abuse me yeah okay well and I'm thinking I guess so if I think of love in like I don't know, I guess I'd call it like layers. You know what I mean? Like there's there's love like love. Yeah, well there's like the the top, you know, what I would call like the surface layer would be like, oh, I love ice cream or I love my dog. That's you like, know? The, like the crust level of love. Yeah, like the very top. And then it's like the love I might have for like, you know, coworkers or friends or people that are in my life. I'd be pretty hurt or you know, maybe upset if something happened to them. And then there might be like my kids and family members, you know, and then it's probably like my wife, you know, something like that. Just that's a general, but something like that. I guess for me, if I thought of unconditional love, that's actually at the very top of all that. Like that's required to build to those other things. Yeah. It's not the bottom. So, and that's what I was just sitting here that's thinking of is I think that's a foundation on which things are built. Like I can't have romantic love with my wife if I'm not starting with some level of unconditional love. Um, and as I make a deeper love commitment, it puts conditions on it. You know what I mean? Like the idea behind that when I say it is that I think Every human being has a right to exist. They have a right to life. I don't wish harm or pain or suffering on anyone. When I see another person suffering, like it makes my heart ache, you know, like that sort of thing. Like, wow, every person Mm -hmm. should have a right to like thrive and an enjoyable life and, you know, freedom, like all those things. Like we all should get all those things. There's not a shortage of that available. We act like there is. I know we do. But there's not a shortage of that available that I need to be like, well, they shouldn't have it and I should have it. No, everyone deserves that in in some level. And so I need to start there before I can have like 
an intimate relationship with my children or my wife, if I'm not starting there, I don't know that I can have those other things. So your take is new and fascinating, <laughs> but I don't think I agree with it. It's new to me, too, because it oh, just okay. crossed my mind uh, now. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's cool. It's cool to talk about. I, I like the concept of how you lay it out. I don't disagree with there has to be some base level of like goodwill towards the world in order to have these deeper levels of intimacy and connection. I, I totally agree with that. I don't know that it's unconditional love, though. And I'm trying to... That's interesting that you say the deeper the love, the more conditions. Cause, and, and, and the way you described it, I guess, does not fit with what I see in the world. Like, I don't see people getting into relationships and being like, oh, yeah, this is new, so it's not that important, so I can overlook all the negative behaviors in my partner. It's like more like... Uh, in the beginning, there aren't as many negative behaviors for each person, right? They got their representative out there doing their best foot forward and everything. And then I think as soon as we start seeing shit that doesn't feel good to us, we're like, oh, I don't know about this. Maybe I need to leave. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like the conditions come later. I feel like they're already present. Like we're we're waiting for those conditions to be violated. We we come in with our terms and conditions ahead of time. <laughs> we're like, oh, go ahead. Fuck off. Like I, I got my list. I don't know. I guess the idea of unconditional love is like the foundation on where I want my heart or spirit to start, you know, the the place where I want to start my interactions with other human beings in the world, you know, like it's, it's the starting ground for right. where I want to be. I think if anything, so I, I did talk with Caroline a little bit about this concept of unconditional love and saying like, I really don't know what we're going to talk about this week. Um, <laughs> And she was kind of laying it out the way I think it's meant in the 12-step program, right? Like, kind of like, I want everyone to succeed. I don't have ill feelings towards people who, even if I don't necessarily like them or they're not my favorite people, like, I still want them to thrive and grow like you were talking right. about. Um, and, and I said, okay, I totally agree that that concept is present in 12 steps. And I, I think that's very valid. And I think a lot of us got the idea in 12 step that that's what we were supposed to be <laughs> aiming for. Right. But that doesn't feel like unconditional love to me. That feels like unconditional goodwill or what we would call in the therapy world, unconditional positive regard. Like I'm going to look at you in a positive light, no matter what you tell me you did. Um, but it's not love like i don't walk out of therapy like i'm in love with all my people like that's not it like for me when i'm i'm practicing these principles i mean i think in an idealistic state that much deeper version of love is is good um that idea that people would volunteer or give freely of their time to help the suffering of others that they would you know there are people in the world that give you know, tremendous amounts of money to causes that they like. So I think that's an idealistic, I don't know what you want to call it. Like the perfect level of practicing this unconditional love probably looks a lot different than what you see from most people on a daily basis. But I think that's the same for any of the spiritual principles. You know what I mean? Like we are all striving to be honest. We're striving to be, you know, kind, compassionate, loving, caring, you know, acceptance like we, we strive for those things but none of us is perfect at them and we get hopefully if we're continually improving our spiritual growth we're getting better at them as we go you know so my 
starting point for unconditional love is probably very surfacey, and hopefully, if I continue to practice it over time, it will get much deeper. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. You know, I was thinking when you were saying the story a couple minutes ago about wishing this, you know, ability to find happiness in the world for everybody and to do what makes them thrive and to feel like they belong here. And I was picturing, and maybe, do I just do this to call you out? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was picturing That's when funny. you said that, I was like, but what if one of those people who you're wishing that for took away one of those abilities for somebody you love? Basically, what if somebody murdered your kid, right? right? What if they took away your child's ability to thrive in the world? Would you still feel those well-wishing, you belong here, you deserve to thrive in the world feelings towards them? Like, I, that would be tough. That would be tough. And that's where and it's I conditional. Guess, yeah, for, me, I, for me, I mean. Right. And again, we're striving for to live in this spiritual place because what right. I've learned at least – and I haven't had anyone that's murdered a kid, but I had a kid molested by a, a relative, and right. that was pretty devastating. And that's, you know, it's tough. Like, I don't know that I'm in a place of unconditional love towards that person. I think, if anything, I was able to make it, and then he's dead now, so I don't care that much. But I think I was able to make it more to a state of indifference, which was okay. I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's funny. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. I think that's where I'm at in my life with the person that sexually abused me, you know, because she was asking, well, do you know where he is or is he in jail or, or what? I said, I don't really know. In fact, I don't think about him that much and I don't really care. I said, I'm pretty indifferent to whatever's going on in his life. I don't wish him harm, but I don't really care. So I guess where I was going with that is when I was in those places of suffering because of the harm that was caused to me, most of that suffering is self-inflicted when I'm caught up in resentment, anger, you know, fear, like all that stuff. I'm the only one suffering from that. That person that caused me all that harm or that caused my kids that harm was not suffering because I had all this anger and bitterness and resentment in my heart, you know, right. for me to be able to let go of that anger and bitterness and resentment and say, hey, I hope that person is at peace. I hope that they're like found some place that they can be happy and be well and and not harming other people. You know, that's the best place for them to be. When I can let go of that hardness and that anger, I feel better. That's fair. I, I do want to just throw in, I completely disagree that it was self-caused in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. You mentioned in there, you said, you know, all this stuff I was doing, it was all things I was creating for myself. Like you were creating your own suffering for yourself. And I don't, oh, yeah, I completely okay. disagree gotcha. that you created that yourself. Uh, right. Um, the other piece of that that I'm not sure of, like, and this is totally me just riffing off my own brain. So don't take this as gospel for sure. But to me, while I could see the way we look at it in our society where we would say, oh, I moved away from anger to indifference. That's like on the path to being kinder to this person or <laughs> unconditional love, right? I think I would actually disagree with that too. Like I feel like we could move towards unconditional love, but if we did, we would move away from indifference. I feel like indifference oh, yeah. is almost that numbing. Correct. Yeah, so I, I would agree. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that's like... On the path to unconditional, that might be the other direction. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I don't necessarily think, yeah, oh, I agree God. with you there. I don't, 
I guess when I said that, I just meant for me, like an indifference is is a better place to be than full of resentment and anger. Like being able to be in that state is is a better place. <laughs> but it I don't is. know that it's moving toward love. I don't know that I'm going that way. <laughs> well, I, and I would agree it's a less uncomfortable place, yeah. right? I just, uh, I'm not sure it's, I don't know that you're still not carrying it somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Because I don't know that it's like the, the, the version of like, and, and pff, take this with a grain of salt because I don't know when we've actually dealt with or processed or healed or grown. <laughs> right. But, you know, I could see that being like not doing those things and just finding a way to stuff it yeah. somewhere. And that's, that well, could be causing its own It's issues. funny. It's interesting you say that because I had been pretty, I don't know, I would say like a lot of people, I think I was had gotten pretty annoyed with this idea of like, triggering and and Mm -hmm. all that stuff like that's it's on its surface it sounds like a dumb idea but when i look more deeply at my life i can see you know times in my life that i was traumatized and then being in similar situations and that causing like a feeling of like (laughs) re-traumatization and it's like oh my gosh like that is a thing that can happen even on like some surfacey level stuff yeah you know and a surface reaction to a situation or whatever it's it's interesting. It, it is. Um, but anyway, back to the unconditional love part. Well, maybe that's unconditional love for myself. Like, I got to give myself that place <laughs> yeah. to allow myself to to be vulnerable, to be triggered, to not just place a judgment on that. Yeah. And, and, and the place to start, not that we're doing therapy here, but like the place to start for me and where I try to have people start at is just recognizing that it's hard to be where you are. Like that is the the base level of compassion for everything, right? So you you blame yourself for holding some of those anger and resentment feelings, right? Like as if it was your fault. Well, God, it's so hard to blame myself for this. God, it's hard to feel this. It's hard to feel all this anger, right? Like it doesn't, we don't have to be like brain surgeons to figure out what to send right. compassionate to ourselves. We can just start with, it is fucking hard to deal with this feeling. Yeah. That's compassion enough in the beginning, right? And from there, it gets better. You start realizing like, what part of you is feeling like it's missing a feeling you know what i mean like oh i'm just really feeling like i'm not getting the affection i need right now or i'm not getting the attention i need right and then you can send some more cultivated messages to that kind of inner part of you but just yeah at the base level this is fucking hard yeah it is (laughs) this episode has been brought to you in part by voices of hope inc a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We get into, at least for me, I got into the 12-step process. I started hearing some of these principles about, hey, you know, 
listen to the message, not the messenger, you know. I thought it was listen to the message, not the mess. <laughs> yeah, well, either one. Like, you know, you're, you're trying to nicer. principles before personalities, like all that yeah. kind of ideology. And then when I hear that within the, the program, whether that's in meetings or in service, you know, committees or whatever, I start to appreciate, oh, okay, I see what that principle is. And then I can take that same principle out into my job, let's say, and say, mm-hmm. oh, I have a coworker that doesn't that I don't necessarily agree with. I can, you know, learn to, what is it, disagree without being disagreeable or whatever, you know, like trying to practice that stuff. So I guess for for me, that is like that foundation of unconditional love. It's like learning to to do those sorts of skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I widen that into my world, as I get better at that practice, now it's like, oh, I can I can listen to people with different political views than me. I can have a conversation with you where we don't necessarily agree or look at something the same way. And I don't have to get like, you know, angry and shut you down and close my mind off to that idea. I can be like, no, you're a person that deserves to be heard and respected and, you know. Again, that doesn't mean at the end of the conversation I'm going to agree with what you say, but right. I don't have to be like rude or disrespectful. I can give you compassion, you know, a little bit of caring, a little bit of attention, you know, to express an idea. And that I think is lacking tremendously in the world. Um, yeah. As part of that, it's most of us do seem to be very conditionally loving to people around us. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I'll listen to people and my political party. I'll listen to people that are in my particular fellowship. I'll listen to people in recovery that have my ideas that I have about recovery. But you people over here that have some other idea, like you're fucking killing people and you're hurting people and you're terrible. (laughs) And it comes with all this judgment, you know, whereas if I can say, hey, wait a minute, like we're all human beings here. We all have a right to an opinion and an idea. doesn't make it great. It doesn't mean it needs to be right or that I need to agree with it, but I can at least listen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dig into some of the definitions. I mean, there's no real great agreed upon definition <laughs> yeah, across yeah. right across research, but at least we've got some ideas that we can talk through. So, you know, one that we have is the selfless act of loving someone with full acceptance and without expecting anything in return. The selfless act of loving someone with full acceptance and without expecting anything in return. By that definition, do you feel like you have unconditional love for anyone or anything? Well, that loving part gets in like... Right, like what does that mean? <laughs> no, yeah, I, gotcha. I mean, because I could say yes, you know, like mm-hmm. there's people that I don't even know when I walk down the street, like I don't want anything in return from someone that I might hold the door for or buy a coffee or give someone some change while we're staying at the counter if they're short on money. Like, you know, these acts of kindness, like those to me are expressions of love. But anyway, I I guess the part of the confusing part for me, like, okay, so I read this and I understand that I can fully accept someone and not agree with the way they live their life. Right. Like, that's fine. That's easy enough to get. But selfless act of loving someone with full acceptance without expecting anything in return. Okay, so I I do this thing. I'm like, this person is meaningful to me. I want to make sure I drop off a birthday cake at their house on their birthday. It's really important. And then I find out they have murdered people or committed sexual assault or sexually assaulted minors. Like, does that change how I feel about them or what I want to do for them? Because that, to me, is not full acceptance. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how... 
how could we as humans with all our judgments and feelings about things fully accept anybody? Yeah, my opinions of stuff like that have changed over the years. I mean, you know, there was times I would make a stronger argument and I'm still not sure 100 percent where I land on this now, but like death penalty for like people that are like serial killers or serial rapists or serial child molesters and abusers. It's like. Those people exist, you know, and is the answer just to lock them up and kill them and get rid of them? I mean, maybe. I'm not saying right. it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, oof, that it's that sounds terrible. Like, and I don't know how you have compassion and understanding for that sort of stuff. But even from like from a mental health, you know, place, like obviously something mentally is is wrong <laughs> right so is there anything worth studying or learning or trying to treat there i mean i, I guess if i just come from this place of like oh nope fuck them they all deserve to die like well are we ever going to be able to do anything with that like are we ever going to be able to as a society like evolve past or, or learn about or get better with that sort of thing right it doesn't leave much space to like study it or figure out if there's any way to heal people or help them get to a place where they don't feel the need right. to do those things yeah no you're right you're right so and it's tough i mean it's really tough you know it's it's hard to say but there are people that are out there that will argue and defend that you know no one should be murdered ever you know like right. the death penalty is never the right answer no matter what people have done and again i'm not 100 percent sure where i land there but i'm definitely way more kind and compassionate now i mean there was a point in my life where i'd have been like oh fuck them kill them you know what i mean like <laughs> i guess what's the difference especially when you're talking about somebody that took somebody's life and that's the penalty for it like how does that make us as a society any different than the person who did the murder in the first place right and that's just really hard for me to wrap my head around right like you don't fix somebody punching you in the face by punching them back in the face i, I get it we want to but it doesn't actually fix anything well and i think that's where the idea of unconditional love is coming from it's like it's not necessarily about vengeance or making a wrong right or equaling out the scales it's like how do we create a sense of like healing how do we create a sense of easing of suffering you know or relief of suffering like how do we get there you know and i, I don't know maybe I, i'd have to ask you know someone whose child has been murdered if someone else's murder has made that better i don't maybe it does i don't know that it does i can't say that it does or doesn't there's probably some immediate um, satisfaction but right I doubt it long term it actually does anything. But it's like the the goal, I guess, if we're coming to it from this loving place is, well, what can we do to give this person the most healing, mm -hmm. you know, and the person that caused the harm? Like, what is it within them that causes them to do this harm and, and be this type of person? Is there some healing mm -hmm. there that can be done? Like, I would actually say the only useful thing that comes out of like executing the murderer for the person in that situation is that they don't have the murderer to throw their anger at and they'll realize they're angry at like the world or God sooner. Right. <laughs> like that's yeah. the only benefit because yeah. they, you can waste a lot of time being mad at that guy when it's really not. Well, and if you watch enough and I, I do occasionally watch a lot of like the serial killer documentaries or the, like the evil lives here kind of shows where, <laughs> where they talk about like, and you hear there's some evil shit in the world. Right. Like, and I guess for me, I guess that unconditional love idea i look at things like wow those 
people really had to be suffering to go to that dark place. Like, right. what is it? What is so hurt or wrong or twisted inside of them that caused them to go to that place rather than just throwing them into the fires of hell and being like, oh, fuck them. They're terrible people. They deserve to suffer. That'll fix them. Yeah. It's really interesting, especially when you move away from a a Christian like society or a Christian belief system, because I, I think we're executing them with the assumption that they'll get their penalty in hell, right? Like, the, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll be tortured in fires and shit for eternity. That's that's what we're doing. We're sending you there. But, like, what if we could prove we weren't sending you there and this was it? Like, would we change our minds about killing yeah. them? Because that maybe that's not enough suffering for them anymore, right? right? Like, just dying. But you hear those people that, that do serve, uh, you know, death row inmates and, and things like that, people that have been convicted of horrible crimes there are you know people that will do things for them write them letters i mean some of it's like a weird fan thing that's different but i mean there are people that have compassion for these the people that are on death row that recognize their suffering and their trauma and that can you know reach out and be sympathetic towards them i mean those people exist right and i think that's an extension of unconditional love they're trying to practice you know, some sort of compassion and love for another human being, even though they've done this horrible thing. We need a prison pen pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next definition is kind of convoluted, so try to bear with me here because it's a lot of exceptional definition pieces. So, unconditional definition, not conditional. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Well, the definition of that, subject to, implying, or dependent upon the condition. Definition of condition. A premise upon which the fulfillment of an agreement depends or is limited. Uh, and then love. Definition. Strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Affection based on admiration, benevolence or common interests, warm attachment, enthusiasm or devotion. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, basically... Uh, Practicing one of these forms of love, which this sounded like it gave like seven different ways you could show love to someone and, and with, you know, lacking the need to fulfill any agreement or conditions around it. I don't know that that changes anything. It's just a very technical word by word definition. But, you know, the first thing that comes up for me when we talk about uh, unconditional love and this I wanted to say it in the beginning and maybe I should have, but whatever. But I think the first thing people think of is kids. Like, oh, everybody has unconditional love for their children. And, and I'm just, I'm not saying they don't, but I don't think we act as parents in ways that convey that message of unconditional love. And I, I do actually, the reason I want to bring this up is because I think this is one of the bigger problems in our society is that the way parents feel this unconditional love is getting lost in the mix of parents you know i try to avoid the word trauma because everybody wants to run away from it because it's such a buzzword but like parents went through something and because of their nervous system reactions to life and other people's actions it's not coming across to the kid as in experiencing unconditional love so it really doesn't matter what the fuck the parent is giving right <laughs> it matters what your kid gets and, and like if you're yelling at your kid because they did something in a way that is not what you wanted them to do behavior wise, that's not unconditional love. Right. Like I just, I think we can float through the world and, and not really take a look at how our punishments, our anger, our frustration, our belittling, our 
yelling at our children does not create an environment of unconditional love. It creates an environment for a child of holy fuck, I better sh- get my shit together because they're getting ready to like kick me out of here and I'm going to die because I can't get my own food. Yeah. I guess when I heard those seven words or seven different ways of love, like to me, those are all parts of love. Like they're, they're all needed to be loving. It's not one doesn't hmm. give you that love. Um, and why I say that back to the parenting thing was I have no doubt that my mother loved me to the best that she could. I never had a doubt that she would be there for me financially, that she would try to help me in any way that mm-hmm. she could. But I did not grow up in a household that was like nurturing or caring. You know, it was in fact, quite the opposite. We didn't get a lot of hugs and a lot of I love you and a lot of that unconditional feeling of love, the love that I felt like I grew up with was very conditional, you know what I mean? And, you know, I wasn't raised in a place where like my feelings mattered, you know, I was taught actually the opposite. Like your feelings don't matter. Do what you're supposed to do. Shut up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane, like all those things. And I didn't feel like I was honored, you know, as, as a person, um, as a kid. And so that muddles up this idea of love because I would say I, do not doubt that my mother loved me. Right. You know? like, right. So it's it's confusing, you know, and, and it's confused my understanding of love as an adult and how I act in love in my relationship, what I do with my wife or my children. And it's taken a lot of work to figure out, like, you know, when we talk about spiritual principles, and you and I have talked about this a couple of times on a couple of these different episodes, none of these to me exist by themselves in a vacuum. Like this idea of love can't exist without like compassion and empathy and, you know, acceptance and humility, like all those other pieces are needed to be practiced as well to fully practice love. I mean, again, all these, we're, we're, we're doing these things to the best of our ability on any given day, but it doesn't mean we're doing them perfect. You know, we're falling short in a lot of areas in a lot of these all the time. No, absolutely. Uh, when you were talking about the story and saying, you know, I've come to this place where I can like talk with people of other political, you know, affiliations and we can just have nice, normal conversations, but you don't see a lot of that in the world. I was ready for you to be like, and that's how open-mindedness ties into unconditional love. I was like, here it comes. Let's go tidies in. You're right. I mean, none of us are going to, I don't think, practice this perfectly. You know, we we fall short of everything. But I guess, and this is where I like, honestly, the therapy term, unconditional positive regard, better than unconditional love. Because I feel like it's a much more accessible thing for me. Yeah. Like. Definitely way clearer. Clearer. Feels clearer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it. It really, with words and language, describes exactly what I'm trying to accomplish when I'm parenting my kids, for me at least. Uh, My belief is I do want to give them this feeling of unconditional love. And what I was doing was not giving them that, right? Right. I I, I can be and and have been in my life like a loud, angry, scary guy to to little people. And I, I, you know, trying to move away from that unconditional positive regard is, for me, describes like, when you walk in the room, even if you did something I'm not a fan of three hours ago or three days ago, I'm still excited to see you, right? Right. When you do this thing or when I find out this information that you failed a class this quarter or whatever, I'm not angry at you. I tell you, hey, 
man, you know, you're really smart, kid. Like, I know it doesn't take a ton of work for you to pass classes. And so seeing this is a little disappointing. You know, I totally love you still. Right. And, and it's delivering it in that calm. I still love you. I'm just letting you know, like, I really think you're capable of more. Hey, maybe you had a rough semester and you, you didn't get it right. OK, we'll pick it up next quarter or whatever. But it, the unconditional positive regard, I think, is easier for me to tune in my brain to like, this is what I want it to look like and act like. Whereas unconditional love just feels way too free floating. Like, I don't know how to express that. Yeah. But I do know how to express this positive regard at all times, even when I'm disappointed or or let down by their behaviors. And I think that feels in my household over the last year like it has made a huge fucking impact for my children yeah for sure and again i feel the same way like at my job i try to do the same thing there like hey we're all here trying to make a living people are going to make mistakes we're going to fall short if we do let's fucking talk about it let's not (laughs) i'm going to mess things up you're going to mess things up that's all part of this you know what we're doing here but in in my house with my kids, that's become important as well for me to try to set the tone that, you know, my love or my, you know, commitment to them isn't based on how clean their room is or yeah. what chore they forgot to do or what thing they left undone at school. You know, like right. really trying to be aware of, you know, this love that I show you is a love for your existence as a human being and for who you are as a person, not because of actions that you do. That please um, me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's come from work that I'm doing on myself. Like I look at my issues that I have in relationships or even, you know, my relationship to like self-worth and self-esteem and how I value myself. And I am a person that judges myself a lot off of doing like achieving things you know my self-worth comes from achievements or getting things done or positive compliments and things like that it's like it's not out of like hey i'm a person that has a right to exist (laughs) (laughs) right Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This uh this last definition, which is probably less scientific, but I think describes unconditional love better than anything we've said so far. And it's from the author of the book Unlimited Love. 
It says, unconditional love is to emotionally affirm as well as to unselfishly delight in the well-being of others Hmm. and to volitionally engage in acts of care and service on their behalf without expecting anything in return. I got to be honest. I don't know what volitionally means. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would think it means with like intention, with like I will intentionally. Volition, the faculty or power of using one's will. So there you go. That's what volitionally means. (laughs) Uh, Of your own accord, basically. You're choosing to. So to emotionally affirm and unselfishly delight in the well-being and to, of your own accord, (laughs) engage in acts of care and service on their behalf. So nobody's making you. Without expecting anything in return. I don't know. That feels more descriptive of what I would be trying to do with unconditional love. I feel like that at least gives me like, oh, okay, something to aim for. I know what that picture looks like to some degree. And I hate to say, but I immediately think, so God of the Bible is not unconditionally loving. It does not sound like. There's a lot of conditions on that. Hmm. Uh, From a Christian standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Somebody walked it through like of the Christian principles in the Bible. If God was all-powerful and all-good, we wouldn't have evil. And if God was not all-powerful, but all-good, then he just isn't powerful enough to stop the evil. (laughs) But the only way it makes sense is if God is all-powerful and he's evil. (laughs) (laughs) The only way this world actually makes sense, which is kind of shitty. Well, and I only bring that up because if your basis for your spiritual you know, foundation, your spiritual education, your growth is based on those principles. It doesn't seem like that's a part of Christian belief. I I mean, I might be missing something there, but it's like Christianity is so weird to me, like trying to wrap my head around what they believe, you know, now, so to speak, with the New Testament versus like the God of the Old Testament that basically just fucking wiped out cities when he didn't like what they were doing. Like, I that's not unconditional love yeah. at all, right? But well, then this in, Jesus in fairness, agreement was supposed to it be. It isn't even just Christianity. I think every organized religion deity has a lot of conditions, uh, you know? Well, that doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. <laughs> no. But I mean, I just want to single out, Christianity is just the one I'm most familiar yeah, with. But yeah, when you think of, like, of. Muslims or, or Judaism or... Were, were their cities getting wiped out, too? <laughs> yeah. Well, they all got a group of people that need killed (laughs) Uh, every organized religion has their group that's going to burn in hell and needs killed (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point a little difficult but anyway and i I think for me that's one of my challenges though in having an organized religion or an understanding of of god most of the examples that i've ever heard of or or been you know educated in in my life have always had a lot of these conditions and it's like oh yeah god is you know loving caring and greater than us but it's like well not if we're not good enough you know <laughs> like, right like there's conditions upon that it seems like and and i haven't personally been able to to wrestle through some of that sometimes so that idea of an unconditionally loving god has been a part of my challenge with finding a good uh connection to a higher power uh, for me, it's like say it's it's a part of my meditation practice to do that meta meditation, and the idea being, you know, I'm I'm as I'm building out that feeling of love. It's like the feeling of love that I feel, let's say, towards my wife. Like the amount of of well being that I want for her, the um, the lack of suffering that I want for her. I should 
try to feel that for every single person walking around, you know. Now, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to give the same of my time and energy. I mean, that would be idealistic to think that that was even remotely possible. <laughs> but the the feeling, you know, that, hey, if I see another person walking down the street, man, I fucking hope that person succeeds. I hope they have a beautiful life. I hope all their dreams and wishes are fulfilled. Like that's, you know, that's a good place for my spirit to just rest, <laughs> you know, as a as a right. place of starting. I think, and this is one of the, I don't want to say the challenges, but one of the places I've gotten to, which, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like if you talk to me in five years, I'll probably have a whole different idea of what God <laughs> is. But for me currently, you know, it's not the the figure or person, so to speak. I feel like we make God into like this person kind of yeah, idea. And it's not that, right? It's more like an energy or a universal way that everything's connected in some sort of fashion. but. I do not, not my earthly parents, but like I have this vision in my head of what a really loving fucking parent would be. You know what I mean? Just that person that's able to show up with this unconditional love, with the unconditional positive regard, always going to have compassionate view instead of like the self-blaming view I might have. And that's who I picture as my higher powers, like, uh, I guess attitude or or personality it's just this warm loving like almost like a like a warm loving grandfather or grandmother if you can picture it right where the the grandkid could do no wrong like yeah. that's my picture of a higher power and i feel like when i need to go and communicate with my higher power that's a great reception right like that's a mm. warm place to go and it does feel like that that parental love without all the conflict that the world puts on it of like having to go to work and the stress of keeping your marriage together and <laughs> right. pay the bills and like that gets in the fucking way but like this one is that version of that that's just pure and I, and i feel like that's what the fuck if i can create my own god that's what i want it to look like yeah right? like for sure loving and caring the the unconditional love for your partner i guess the thing that i think of right because you know me i'm always trying to go against or disprove <laughs> or, or whatever i'm like okay so when is the time when that wouldn't exist well when my partner does something that hurts me right if they're not thoughtful if they don't get me something for dinner when they get the rest of the family something or or you know god forbid they would go out and sleep with somebody else and and hurt me in that way or lie to me or something right Am I feeling that unconditional love feeling in that moment? Because that's when I need it the most. That's when I need to show up and be like, have the understanding that they didn't do this personally to hurt me. They did this because of some way they feel inside themselves and they were seeking relief from that. So if I can do it, then I'm all in. That's unconditional love to me. But like if I'm carrying that five days a week, but then the other two, when they're upsetting me, I don't feel like I have that. I probably got some more practice to do on that unconditional oh, love yeah, piece. For you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess that's the way I look at all the, the spiritual principles. I mean, just in my life, I wish I could say, like, I'm 100% honest, but I'm fucking not. Right. You know? I don't want to be. I'm, I, well, yeah, we talked about that. But I, <laughs> I just mean even in obviously dishonest situations. Like, right. I have situations where it's just easier to tell a little white lie than it is, you know. And most of them are trivial, but not always. Most of them are trivial shit around work, you know. Right. We forgot a service call, so I'll call a customer, and it's easier to say, oh, I'm sorry, we have a guy called out sick today. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right, and it, right. it feels harmless 
this. It feels like nobody's suffering from that, so it's easy to do. But the truth is, it's not fucking honest, you know? And there's probably a way that honesty would work just as well. It's just not as simple or convenient, and I don't feel like it's going to give me the result that I want. So, you know, but right. would I say that I'm an honest person because I'm honest... 99% or, you know, I'll be less generous 90% of the time in my life, right. you know, yeah, I'm a pretty honest person. I mean, do I unconditionally love my wife or my kids or all of humanity every single day of every moment? Fuck no. No. You know, I've had doubts where I'm like, I think I need to get divorced. I don't even think I want to be in this marriage. You know, like those times have happened. Now, it's not most. If it was most of the time, I would probably need to do something with that. So there you go. Everybody that listens at home, every week when you listen now, every 10 times Billy says stuff, one of them's false. And you get to figure <laughs> out which one. That'll be the new game while you listen. Um, so a psychologist came up with signs of unconditional love, like things that would point to this is what we're looking at, right? And his idea is these four signs. You're accepted for your faults without a desire to change you. I guess this is like the experience of unconditional love for a person okay. so one you're accepted for your faults without a desire to change you do you feel like you get that in your marriage hmm. no yeah right right <laughs> right i will say i think i get something closer to this now than i ever did before oh yeah 100 for sure but there's probably still some desire to change some of my behaviors i can only imagine like not everything i do is pleasing to my wife well, and I just wonder for me, like, is that more me or is that more the other, like why I don't feel that, you know, mm. and I can't answer that specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to have our own perception based on how we feel about ourselves for sure. So it, it kind of goes back to that parent child relationship, right? It's mm. less important what the parent is giving and more important what the kid is receiving. And those aren't always the same thing. Right. And so like, yeah, I think the part of feeling accepted is probably going to definitely depend on your ability to feel secure in yourself and lovable. I think the part about the desire to change you is probably easier to parse out. Like, cause you can kind of, there's some clear signs that your partner wants you to do some different shit. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the, the next one is your needs are paramount and viewed as valid. And that's a tricky one. I mean, what if you say your needs are something like, I need more time to myself. Is that yeah. something that's available? Like, I don't know. All the time. Yeah. Um, I feel like I get that. I just don't know that. Well. What if you, like, went home hmm. today and you were like, you know, I've really been thinking about this, Jen, and I just feel like I need, like, to go get an Airbnb and be by myself for, like, two weeks just to clear my head. Would that be like, oh, cool, where are you going to go? Or would that be like, how the fuck is the house going to be all right for two weeks? Well, I have... I told her I wanted to do that for a week, and she was okay with it. I was like, I just want to go out in the fucking woods by myself for like a week and just be alone with myself right. for a week. And she seems okay with that. Hmm. Okay. That's so, cool. Now, I mean, if I got longer, I don't know. <laughs> like, right, right. Well, and it's interesting because like I don't think we get to control what we need, and yet right. it's still hard to ask for it because it does put a strain on other people. Well, and of course... I'll say, you know, my understanding of being an addict, it, and like, sometimes I want some really ridiculous shit, you know, and I'll start justifying or rationalizing shit in my head. So I got to kind of be careful for me personally, like I got to kind of maybe talk through that sometimes and see what's mm -hmm. what's a reasonable 
expectation of a need. <laughs> right. <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> yeah. All of them. Well, like say the the week alone by myself, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily describe that as a, a need. It's a want. It's a thing. It's an experience I would like to have to see how I, you know, how I can sit with myself, whatever reasons don't matter that much. But it's not like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown or that I can't function or that I'm going to suffer if I don't. I mean, I don't know. Yes. Maybe I'm going to suffer if I do it. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no <laughs> is how I feel about that. Like, we have a very interesting look at needs and wants. And I, I've held that view that our society holds for a long time. And it's starting to shift for me. So I, I, I don't know where completely I stand with it anymore. But I don't think our needs are just like food, water, and shelter. Mm. Like, I, I, I'm starting to really think we have some other emotional needs that are actually a bigger need than we've ever given them priority or we've ever, you know, noticed or known. And I would say that it's possible like we are actually when we when we don't do these things we need that we don't actually realize our needs. <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's just a one. I can delay that and not do it. I think we're actually creating like a toxic physical slash emotional environment in our body that is causing us to be sick. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a book about it right now. So it's pretty fascinating. There's actual research that like shows these kind of connections and we sort of just fucking ignore it for no reason, which is baffling. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a really fascinating book of like stuffed emotions. The the theory is that we've been separating this as like a brain that has thoughts and a body that goes through medical conditions. Right. And the theory is that that's not true, that this is a one word mind body experience that is like your whole body is filled with this emotional experience and it's actually creating a toxic environment for your cells to reproduce in which is what's shortening the telomeres quicker which is actually what's killing people so it's <laughs> like not expressing anger when you feel anger is actually leading people to have like cancer and ms right. and autoimmune diseases and i'm like fuck it's just, it, I don't know, it's wild. I don't yeah, want to get like too off emotional topic, suppression, right? but yeah. I, I would say, like, if you view things that maybe are needs as wants and deny them for yourself, like, you could be shortening your life. Like, we don't really fucking know. Hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So, it's this, it really puts a whole new spin on, like, damn, am I really thinking through these the right way yeah. by denying myself? Well, and we do know, I mean, obviously, as especially within male culture, this idea of, you know stuffing your feelings and and not dealing with emotions like that has some pretty basic obvious health consequences <laughs> you know as right. far as high blood pressure and heart, heart disease attack. and right all well, those things and that's what he's yeah. talking about in the book like we already have the evidence that all this is related right. and we're just ignoring it on the bigger scale yeah so there is at least for me, like I'm doing some work to address some of that now. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, it's taken till of my 40s, <laughs> but well, it's better than never. Learn, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just I think we're going to really in the near future start to get a better understanding if it's a measurable thing. Maybe it's not measurable and we all just need to kind of buy in and believe it. But I, I do think we're going to start learning, man, that, that we have way more needs than we've realized. Oh, and, and just to, to give uh, the ladies out there an understanding, too. Like, yes, men are taught to suppress every fucking thing, and the only allowable thing is anger. And that's only allowable sometimes and at some levels. Right. But women, women have the same exact shit. They're programmed from birth that their whole job 
first, number one, is to be mom and wife above yeah. anything else. So, like, they spend their lives living in a way that's supposed to be giving honor to this role they, they are given. But really, like, they don't get to experience life as themselves, as a woman only just experience it. Yeah, and a lot of times there's almost uh, almost a mockery or a shaming of, like, being overly emotional. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. They're needy. A lot they're, of that, right? They're emotional. They're clingy. There's all these negative connotations when people right. are really just trying to get their needs met. Um, and those are needs. Yeah. <laughs> we know those are. So uh, another sign. The other person does not try to make you feel small, which uh, I was saying that. Yeah, my wife's pretty... I, I get mine reactive sometimes. I get her triggered. I might hear a couple things. Well, and this gets back to the emotional, I mean, yeah, like emotional needs stuff. It's like I am just now starting to work on some of that. So I'm trying to figure out what my emotional needs are in my relationship. And, and that's one of the things my wife and I were talking about. It's like I was expressing some uh, like whatever hurts or something that were going on. And the way that she replies to them, how that makes me feel or, or kind of compiles on to the guilt and shame part of it. And she's like, oh, well, how would you like me to respond? And I was like, I don't know, but not like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just being able to identify sometimes like, hey, when I am in this kind of emotional state, yeah. this type of response would really help, you know, get me through that or, or us talking about that stuff. Like, right. Because I think for her unintentionally she sometimes makes me feel small mm -hmm. and then i do the same thing to her like we'll talk about things that i've done that hurt her and of course what i like to do is overthink and over discuss almost like we do <laughs> where i start bouncing 20 ideas off her head and like what about this and what about that right. and how come this and what and she doesn't like that like it makes it feel like i'm intellectualizing her emotional pain and right. so she's trying to express to me like hey when i'm expressing this hurt it's not the time really to do that maybe what i need is just for you to be more sympathetic and to just kind of oh it. i'm really sorry you know that's I didn't really mean hard to hurt Jim. you and <laughs> i said yeah but but i wasn't intentionally trying to minimize right. her pain it's like me trying to process in my head oh well why does it make you feel this way what should i be doing differently right. you know yeah, you're coming from a place of really trying to address her concerns, and yet the way they're being addressed. And that's a honestly, thank you for giving that example. That's a beautiful right. example of the way that we can be trying to express and give this unconditional love in a situation, and the other person is not receiving right. that feeling from us. That's perfect. Also, congratulations. I think that's awesome that you're like on this journey and, and trying to realize like these pieces that don't feel well. And I think that's a great starting point. Like, you don't have to know the right response that's going to make you feel the best like for now if you know it's wrong that's a great starting point hey this one's not working right like, let's try some other attacks on this or, or or ways of going about it and yeah it, it is hard to figure out at first if you've never got it that's the kind of the point right you've never gotten the thing you were looking for how do you know what it looks like? right well and you can be in a relationship that you think is a good relationship and and it can be going along well and then be in a different relationship where those same skills don't work. You know what I mean? Like the, mm -hmm. it's like we're not a one size fits all. And it's the same with my children. You know, my emotional responses to my children are different. Right. The last one on his list, uh, the relationship is reciprocal and not transactional. And honestly, that was the one that just I was like, well, that's a bullshit list now. <laughs> Every relationship is transactional in some way, shape or form. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Maybe it's not. I, I mean, I think of some of the parenting books I've read and the practices I've tried to put in place from them. I, I don't think a lot of people would necessarily agree that that's the way we need to parent, right? But I really do feel like, you know, I, I can't imagine a world where one of my kids can do something where I don't love them. I really right. can't. And I mean, I've I've tried to think through like the worst case scenarios, one killing another one or something. I don't know. Like yeah. what could be worse, right? I just can't, like I'm still going to love them. And that's from this practice, I guess. Yeah. And this is to me where that idea of love gets confusing because if I have, you know, my kids are getting towards adult age now, you know, if my daughter, let's say, begins to like steal all our money or steal all the things out of our house. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to make a decision to put her out of the house, even though I have no idea where she's going to go or what she's going to do. Like, is that loving? Like, is that a loving action? I mean, well, and this is, is where unconditional, unconditional love. right? <laughs> right. And, and it's tricky because I don't is. think my feelings for her would change. I think my heart would be broken or maybe it's even a safety issue. I mean, for our older daughter, that's the one with a disability. I mean, the reason she's in a group home and an ex- assisted living type environment is because she became unsafe. She was unsafe to us and unsafe to our small children. So it was a literal safety issue, right. you know, that we had to put her in different placement. And it's it's, pain, it's still painful for my wife. She's hundreds of miles away. You know what I mean? We have to like travel and make accommodations because she's in this state all by herself, you know, far away, you know, but it's still like somewhere in there. It was the right decision (laughs) right right but it's hard to figure out like is that really loving like obviously she would feel much better being at home with us and we would feel better you know in some sense well and and this is where you get into the tricky pieces of all this right one that is a complicated situation because when you're talking about unconditional love you can't just look at am i having unconditional love for this one child of ours Right. Because it's unconditional love for myself, unconditional love for our household, unconditional love for my other small children. It's not a decision of just one unconditional love towards one person. Right. Right. So the unconditionally loving thing for myself in a situation where I can no longer afford to lose any more of my items that my kid is stealing is they have to go. Right. Right. It doesn't mean I I feel it doesn't mean i'm gonna see them on the street and like spit on them or yell at them or tell (laughs) them to get their shit together i'm still gonna have that unconditional positive regard when i see them hey how you doing do you need something to eat is there anything do you need socks like it's getting cold outside do you need a coat are you ready for treatment you know anytime you are you can call me right or if you just want something you want to get lunch i'll come meet you for like that's the difference it's not really what I chose about her staying in the house or not. It's how am I coming to the situation? One of those things that oddly enough, I heard early in recovery and I thought one day I'll find out that's all bullshit, especially in the therapy world. That it's gotta be. I still believe that all actions either come from love or fear. Hmm. I don't disagree with that statement. I know it sounds a little woo woo and out <laughs> there, but like, I think we act from a place of love when our body feels good. And when our body's in a survival state, it's in a place of fear, and that's where everything comes from. Fear-based right. decisions. And and those seem like the two places, right? And so actually, to for me, if I wanted to increase my unconditional love, I would work around my insecurities and my fear. Because the more I can lessen them, the less they get in the way of me being able to do what I think happens naturally. Yeah. And I, I would think, too, if I could, with that idea in mind, if I could 
you know, begin to practice trying to remain in a state of unconditional love, like it would make my interactions with the world more loving and less based in fear, you know, if I'm starting my days in a place of like, like with a meta type meditation or a prayer with love and good wishes and good intent towards everyone I come in contact with. Like right. <laughs> if I'm setting that intention that I want to love and be compassionate towards other human beings, hopefully when those decisions come up, I'll act in that. Love. Right. Right. This next paragraph says unconditional love can be unhealthy if it exists without boundaries. And then it goes on <laughs> to say some other stuff. But I just got to disqualify the whole paragraph. Like, that <laughs> makes it conditional love if you have a boundary on it. Sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, seven ways to practice unconditional love. These are not vetted by us. We just kind of copied and pasted them from a place. Um, love is not how you feel. It is more about how you act. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's not about how you feel, but I think it is more about how you act. Well, the tricky part about that is, like... So, like, I just think of in our case where we put my daughter in an assisted living place, like, that didn't feel very loving, but it probably was the loving act. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it goes back to the idea of, like, your three-year-old might want to play with the stove, and they might be highly upset that you won't let them, and they might cry, and they might throw a fit, and they might break a toy. Doesn't mean it wasn't the most loving thing you could have done for <laughs> right. them. Like, you got to save people and protect them. Right. You know? Just because they want to do it doesn't make it the right thing to mm. do. This says adapt your love to others, which is an interesting concept. I I don't disagree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we do. Like like your example, right? This person isn't experiencing this unconditional love that is exactly what I'm trying to give right. in this moment. So maybe I need to adapt. Give unconditionally to yourself. This mm. is, yes, I would check that off. That's the hard one. Extra stars on the end of that. I'm like, <laughs> if you do that, you will love others. Uh, number four, love can sometimes be uncomfortable. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Yeah. I mean, if it's opposed to anything you've been modeled or shown in your life, sure, it will feel uncomfortable because it's not familiar, but I don't know. I don't know what that's trying to prepare people for. Yeah, like, I feel sure like I read that, that and I'm ready yeah. to go get abused. I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> right. It's love. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, learn forgiveness. We talked about that. Show love to those whom you think don't deserve it. Ooh, that's interesting. Practice unconditional love with a simple act every day. So, there's some ideas. I don't know. We're running out of time. Yeah. Any thoughts about unconditional love? No. I do like that simple idea one, though. Because there, the idea I heard behind that was, like, give a compliment to the fucking Wawa clerk or, you know, oh, that's your hair looks good today or, or just some kind act and watch what that does for your spirit. You know? Well, you know, and we go back to this idea we talked about in the faith episode of like confirmation bias and, you know, placebo effect. Like what I have found from acting towards my children from unconditional positive regard is that I feel warmer towards them because I constantly or more frequently notice when they do something positive. Which is what I didn't notice before when I was coming from that place of like fear and I got to get them in shape or they'll never make it in the world or I'll be a, I'll look like a bad person for raising these kind of kids. You know, whatever yeah. the fear was kept me seeing the negatives. And it's like acting from this place. It's like, oh, man, they did a thoughtful thing. They took a bowl into the other room to the sink for somebody or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just see it more and it's created more warmth towards them honestly and so i would just say the practice of it and even this practice of like 
every person I run into today, I'm going to notice something about them that I like. Maybe they smell nice. Maybe they got cool shoes. But, you know, what you were saying, like, give these compliments. I feel like when you start looking for places to do that, you do start feeling warmer to people, towards people, because you see the places where they're doing it. Right. That's cool. Yeah. But and then the last thing I would say is if you struggle with the unconditional love because of our confusing and complex version of love start with unconditional positive regard that's a yeah. fucking great if you can get that down you're doing better than most i'm actually <laughs> like, starting to wonder if that is love <laughs> right it is <laughs> i would uh, say yes yeah <laughs> all right well uh go out there unconditionally love each other and you know talk about our podcast you can obviously donate um and that helps us out to keep this whole thing going and helps people out in early recovery to get the tools they need to hopefully thrive in this new recovery world but if you don't have money and you just enjoy listening to us there's like no money needed to <laughs> tell other people about our podcast or to share it on your social media or to engage in conversations around it you know that supports us as well um, we appreciate all your support go out there love each other have a great week did you like this episode Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.